gentlemen of Los Angeles and the rest of the world. Welcome to a very special 220th episode of the most LAFC podcast in the galaxy. We are Defenders <laughs> of the Bank. I am the self-proclaimed beast from the East and Gypsy Prince, the first of my kind. You can tell I've been watching Game of Thrones. Christian Philly <laughs> Philemon. And with me via the Zooms, all the way from Casa de Nina in Lawndale, California, the mouth of the South Bay and the legendary lord of leisure wear, J.R. Liebert, the... The Scarf, what is good, Defenders Nation? Turns out, Philly, we got ourselves a good old-fashioned playoff derby once again. The Clasico Angelino for the second time in the playoffs. I- I'm excited. I know everybody is super nervous. Everybody's super excited. This is just one of those things where, can it, can it just be Thursday already, Philly? I know this week is going to drag for some of us or for some of us is going to be go. It's going to go by really quickly because obviously the anticipation of this moment is killing us. Now, to me personally, it wouldn't have mattered if it was Nashville or the Galaxy. I would have been nervous one way or another. But obviously the level of drama and uh, obviously the this hatred of each side by both sides is going to be palpable. Our 17th edition of the 110 collision, my man. 17th it's hard to believe that we've played 17 times already in five years but it does seem like major league soccer loves these two teams getting together there's nothing like i think i forget who might have said i think it was connor on 110 football right calls this the best rivalry in major league soccer look i know that everybody up north uh in the uh across the emerald way up there with seattle and portland they're probably saying hey easy there on that best rivalry thing because that rivalry has been since what 74 or something like that yeah i mean both those both those clubs the uh and obviously throw in the vancouver whitecaps too i mean that cascadia thing's been going on since the days of the nasl yeah that's that's been going on for quite some time but i have to say pound for pound over the last five years there is nothing and i mean nothing like going to the Derby. I don't care if it's down at the digs or if it's at the cathedral of the black and gold bank of California stadium, which luckily Philly, that's where it'll be this Thursday. I just think it's, it's must see TV every time if you can't be there. And if you can be there, you know, you're going to be in for something special, whether it's look, We've seen the gamut, right, from from Zlatan doing the unthinkable and Chicha wanting to make you absolutely pull your hair out to things like Adama Diamande and Carlos Vela. Uh, there's just nothing like the Derby. Oh, of course. I mean, it's going to be the fourth time that we play each other this season, but obviously this is a very special moment. One way or another, we're going to experience something, whether we end up on cloud nine or whether we end up in the seventh level of Dante's Inferno. One way or another, we're going to feel some pretty hefty emotions. I mean, this is this is what you want. This is what you play for. This is entertainment at its finest. And while I would have preferred Nashville, uh, this is good. It's just a great step for us and a step that we should not take lightly it's games like this that get remembered forever i'm looking at my back wall right now and i have a a frame from the last playoff game that we had against them the 5-3 win at bank of california stadium arguably one of the top three top four greatest games in the history of lafc and this thursday's game it could be just one of those as well if not it could be as great if not greater but yeah, man, we're just a couple of short nights away, a couple of one more sleeps away. and Oh, my goodness. Uh, but the playoffs themselves have already like gotten out to a real bonkers scenario. I mean, Saturday morning, I mean, FC Cincinnati kicked things off for uh, this madness that is the MLS playoffs. I think if you are just a casual fan of American soccer, American football, these playoffs have probably been the most entertaining matches that you could possibly have asked for, with the exception of, your former club just beating the pants off of Inter Miami. What that game end three nothing, I think, right? Yes, that, correct. Three to nothing. Well, there was another the, game that wasn't as exciting. Well, I mean, but that's that's yeah, true. But I mean, man, you're looking at Cinderella stories like FC Cincinnati. You're looking at Austin's first trip to the playoffs being an incredibly memorable one so far. It hasn't gone very well for former black and gold members. Uh, I said gold member. Uh, that being the case, I mean, looking at Joao Moutinho, he got an exit pretty uh, unceremoniously with Orlando City. Yeah, You're but he got a, a U.S. Open Cup scarf. I don't feel for him one bit. He did, for sure. You're looking at our boy Walker. Unfortunately, that was well, we'll talk about that game uh, a little bit as we as we break down what's coming up for for us and the Galaxy. 
But Walker getting ousted by Carson yet again. I don't think that'll help their their uh, love for or Walker's love for Carson anytime soon. And now, unfortunately, Tyler Miller, a legendary goalkeeper for <laughs> LA Football Club, uh, the LAFC uh, f- former record holder of what most wins in a season. Tyler, does Tyler still have that record? God, what he might uh, have is he what he might have a leg up on Maxime Cropo would be shutouts. But I know Maxime yeah. was knocking on that door. I don't have my press notes in front of me, but I yeah, know that look, Maxime but... was knocking on Tyler's door. But it's, Maxime I... has the uh, the win record. And Philly, I I think your one of your favorite players of all time might be the only one left standing from all the different former LAFC members out there. That would be the incomparable Marco Farfan. <laughs> that was another crazy game. I mean, FC Dallas and Minnesota oh. United capped off what was a great first round of playoff matches. Back and forth, went to PKs. Dane St. Clair absolutely Pooped himself, pooped the bed. Oh, my goodness. Olasco, the designated player, the 20-year-old, $7 million 20-year-old uh, transfer fee, that is. I mean, absolutely hit the nastiest. Oh, that nastiest. was dirty. Oh, God. I that mean, was that was dirty. the biggest up yours I've seen in PKs probably all season. It was oh. it was tremendous. But FC Dallas, the favorite, but they still had a tough time going through Minnesota United. And obviously, we're going to, if and when we do get by the Galaxy, we're gonna we're gonna possibly see FC Dallas in the next round. Well, here's the fun part, right? They I and I can't take credit for this tweet. It was one of the couple of different MLS accounts that we follow. The only teams that did not make the playoffs last year from the West were the three teams from California and the three teams from Texas. And the only teams left in the playoffs this year from the Western Conference now are two teams from California. And well, one team from Los Angeles, too, and uh, <laughs> two teams from Texas. So my how one season can change everything. And don't worry, I haven't forgotten about that former LAFC player on Carson, our friend, the snake. So don't worry, I haven't forgotten <laughs> about him. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But man, these playoffs, they, they really have been exciting. I think I think that Austin RSL match, man, I I feel so badly for RSL trying to see that one out for about an hour with 10 men. And they were there up until, unfortunately, Pro got a call right uh, for the first time in a while. And uh, Sebastian Driussi, man, he is he is a bad, bad man. So no, I'm really looking forward is. to it. And, and here's the question that they must be asking in Dallas right now. Ricardo Pepe, who? I mean... Between Velasco and Ferreira and all the other talent that they have on that club, that they're doing better than they had during the years of Ricardo Pepe. So that's going to be a great rivalry to watch, that Austin-Dallas rivalry, which has really started to heat up. Philly, uh, looking at the one little bit of news and notes, I we, we got it. Sorry, we got to pay some bills first. We want to thank our good friends at Flex Power Tools, flexpowertools.com for sponsoring Defenders of the Bank. And we are, and they know why, and this will just be between us and them, but we are even more appreciative than we've ever been before. Thank you so much to Flex. We appreciate you and love you all very, very much. Uh, Don't forget, you guys, and I I know you hear us saying this, and, and you're probably tired of hearing us saying this, but you know what? It's our job and we're paying the bills by doing it. Every tool that you buy in 2022, maybe you went to Vegas and put some money on LAFC to win MLS Cup at the start of the season, and that's going to pay off for you in just a couple of weeks. Every tool that you buy in 2022 comes with a lifetime warranty on every part in the thing. So seriously, if you're on the fence or if you want to replace your tool or if you just want to try out one of their drills and see how it stacks up against your your Craftsman's, your Milwaukee's, your all the other stuff out there, Try it out, and it comes with a lifetime warranty, you guys. Talk to our buddy Rigo, who's over at the tent every single time Flex is set up. They're really, really good people. So please, 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 if you need to, head on over to flexpowertools.com and check out all the great stuff that Flex has to offer. And, of course, we want to remind everybody that the Mauricio Facio Futsal Court, the fundraising effort is underway to build that court in Southeast LA. LAFC, the LAFC Foundation, and the 3252 have been partnering all season long to build a futsal court in Southeast LA in Moe's honor. The link to donate is in our bio, so make sure you check that out. Speaking of people, Philly, that can afford to donate to Moe's court out in Southeast LA, how about Lorenzo Insigne? 
they came out with salaries and and granted he didn't make this much money this year it's a prorated amount that if he would have played an entire season he would have made but we're talking an average annual salary that would have been 14 million dollars this season in major league soccer I mean, yeah, it's a staggering amount considering we had players last season like Carlos Vela and Chicharito up that list with less than half of what Lorenzo Insigne uh, is getting paid. Obviously, Lorenzo is 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 a younger guy. He's former captain of, of Napoli. I mean, an Italian national. Is he worth all that money? I don't know, but obviously that is a hefty, hefty amount to pay any player in Major League Soccer. And if that tells me, if that gives me any indication is that maybe at some point, maybe at some point, there won't be a salary cap within this league, which might make things a little interesting for the very wealthy clubs and very rough for the not-so-wealthy clubs. But yeah, I mean, between him and then you got Shakiri also making a significant amount of money, you've got two players commanding mad, crazy salaries, but both on teams that are pretty much going golfing within the next couple of weeks. Well, I mean, even look at number four, right? Between uh, you got Insigne and Bernardeschi over in Toronto. I mean, he's number four in the league. I I looked, Philly, up and down the, the playoff schedule. Didn't see Toronto on there anywhere. So no. all that all that money, it reminds me of the good old days of Michael Bradley and Josie Altador when they were massively underperforming. It was only when they had Giovinco that they really started to do some things. And yet number Josie one, still makes a ton of money, and he's still Josie's- on this list. Still doing well. It's un that man has fallen upwards several times. He's tenth. Uh, Scarvey's yeah. tenth on the list. Ten, still, somehow, still tenth on the list. Uh, yeah. So number one, Lorenzo Insigne. Number two, Jordan Shakiri. Chicharito in at number three. Bernardeschi at number four, and the recently retired Higuain at number five. I say recently retired because no, Miami he's no longer- six. Costas at number five. Is that? Is that the new? Did you look at the new? Well, yeah, I'm looking at the. Uh, I'm looking at MLS. So you got. Are, are you? Are you, are you looking Chicharito. at guaranteed compensation? Uh, oh, I'm. I'm looking. Click on the. On yeah, the no, like Costa is making more than Higuain by a by a, a hair. Interesting. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go back. So all right. So if you're looking at base salary, Costa's got three. Higuain's got five point one. But in terms of guaranteed, Costa's at five point eight. Higuain's at five point seven nine three. I love it. All right. We got the. We got the new list here. Let's look at guaranteed. Look at this. This is just a lot. Well, well, well. Here's one thing I'll say that looking at the list and then looking at the guaranteed compensations via team scarf. Everybody has been on LAFC's case about cheating and and bucking the system and, and all that other nonsense. And from that same list, if you take a look, there are seven teams that are ahead of LAFC in both base salary and guaranteed compensation for their players. Uh, Toronto. And and I, and again, the, the thing that surprises me, Philly, is as we scroll down the list, it took me going to number 21 overall on the recently updated salaries list. Number 21, Philly, to find Carlos Vela's name on the list, the highest paid player in LAFC, but $2.73 million in guaranteed compensation, if I'm reading it correctly. I mean, that's an absolute shock to me, number one, that he's making such little money. I mean, guys like Victor Wanyama, he's making more money than than Carlos Vela at this point. I don't think you would take Victor Wanyama. I don't think you would take Josie Altador. I don't think you would take Alejandro Pozuelo over uh, over Carlos Vela right now. That's for damn sure. Shocked at number 21. Carlos Vela. We do have two other guys making over $2 million. Uh, Gareth Bale, heard of him. He's making about $2.4 million a season. And Denny Buanga, about $2.1 in guaranteed compensation. Those are our three highest paid players, Philip. Yeah, and people question whether or not Carlos Vela wants to be here. Look, I mean, he cut his salary almost in half from the time yeah. he was here. He could have easily made more money going in some other league somewhere else around the world. Whether maybe he went to the Middle East, he would have commanded more money. Even if he went to the Hyundai A-League in Australia, he probably would have earned more money. But he loves Los Angeles, and he has a lot of unfinished business. So that says something massive when he's taking a 50% pay cut just to stick around. But going back to my point about LAFC, yeah being like 
top seven in terms of uh, the, the teams with the highest guaranteed compensation. If you go down the list, it's quite interesting. People are like, oh, LAFC is, is, is cheating. They're bucking the system. They're going to buy their MLS Cup. Look, Toronto, the Galaxy, Miami, Atlanta, Chicago, and New England all have base salaries of guaranteed compensation payrolls that are much higher than that of LAFC. Toronto, not in the playoffs. Galaxy, we see them Thursday. Inter-Miami just got booted. Atlanta, not there. Chicago fire, dumpster. New England Revolution, another dumpster fire. Okay, we haven't spent the most money. (laughs) Right. Not at all. And we're still the number one seed, the supporter shield champion. So for all those Nimrods out there, they're like, Oh, buying an MLS cup trophy title. Shut up. Shut up. You don't know MLS rules. You don't know the difference between gam and Tam. You don't know a damn thing. We haven't bucked any rules. We have not. And we're not the highest payroll team in major league soccer, as has been the news that came out today. So for those of you out there that think we treat that we cheat, in the words of the great Degeneration X, suck it. <laughs> yeah, our payroll, $19 million in guarantee. That is stupid. So. There's players on teams in other leagues that make more money than LAFC's oh, entire payroll. Philly, you and I talked Clown about shoes. it when you and I talked about it when Kylian Mbappe was at the bank, right? And he was watching the game. He's literally looking out over a full squad of two teams and going, Yeah, I make more money than all of these guys put together. So it's kind of worth more than the league in a lot of ways. Oh, I mean, he's he can generate more. Although, look, uh, Gareth Bale sold more jerseys in nine weeks than uh, any player in Major League Soccer. So there's still that. Just want to go over a couple of the guys. Christian Teo, Kellen Acosta, Ilya Sanchez and Giorgio Chiellini, all making over one million dollars this year. Chicho Arango and Sebastian Mendez making over six hundred thousand dollars this year. You got. Escobar, Chiqui Palacios, and Muri all making over $500,000 this year. And I, I did find three bargains in our salary list there. We got Sifu, who's only making $411,000 this year. You got Mahala, who's only making $133,000 this year. By the way, good on Latif Blessing for making almost half a million, but that number might hurt him. Oh, my, yeah, oh, without it, oh, without a doubt. But I mean, if you remember season one, I mean, he he was barely yep. over six figures. He was, yeah, barely no, he was making he was making seventy-seven thousand dollars at one yeah, point I in mean, twenty eighteen. Yeah, you yeah. and I made more money than Latif Blessing with well, several I, years of his LAFC. I mean, I, I've had to be a teacher for quite some time to be able to get over that number, but I think the biggest bargain on our entire roster, Philly. There's two, I think. I'm curious as to where you're going with this. I'm going with the twenty-third highest paid goalkeeper <laughs> in major That's league one. soccer. Yep. The 23rd highest paid goalkeeper, just over $300,000. The wall himself, Maxime Cropot. Who you got, Philly? Who's your other one? Uh, Eddie Segura at 200000 in guaranteed base. That right there for arguably a player who is one of the best center backs in Major League Soccer at a whopping two hundred grand. that's kind of nuts. Yeah. Obviously, he, he was out a good portion of the season last year with the ACL. But two hundred thousand dollars is, yeah. I mean, he is grossly underpaid. Grossly yeah, especially underpaid. if he can be healthy, right? Especially if he's healthy. I no, think of course. He... I mean, he's healthy. He's like I, I can't put a price on these things, and I don't trust transfer market. Nobody should trust transfer market. Although it did land Toronto FC some players, but <laughs> but yeah, two hundred thousand dollars for for Eddie Segura is crazy. Yeah, Maxime Crepo. Well, if you think about it, though, Scarf, like Maxime Crepo didn't come from a great squad. Obviously, he's a good keeper. He's the best keeper we've ever had, but we can't say he's the best keeper in this league. Obviously, you've got players like Andre Blake that are fantastic, and you've got your your, your boy over on the Chicago Fire that's going to be pretty darn good. Uh, Matt Turner starting out the season with uh, w- within the MLS. He was also pretty good, but I think Eddie Segura is the biggest shock on the list. Yeah, I think... Uh, by the way, do you know who the highest-paid keeper in the league is? Mm, no, I don't. He's not even in the league yet. That would be Roman Burkle. What? How yep. much? That would be, uh, I think it's like $1.5 million that St. Louis is paying him to come over. And oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. St. Louis on the list with their, uh, yeah, I mean, they made the list at, uh, yeah. in 29th place with, what is it, like 20, hold on, five point, almost $5.8 million 
for base salary. So somebody was getting paid. One other yeah, thing though, 20- I want to add real quick though, man. Like, yeah. and it's it, yeah. it's a hats off thing. It's a respect thing. We talk about the top teams. The Philadelphia Union, did you see what the 2022 base salary was for the franchise? Yeah, it's not a lot. Dude, it's less than $9.2 million, 10.3 overall. And for what they have done, wow, amazing. Obviously, Mr. Curtin has done a fantastic job there. The Youth Academy there has been fantastic. So what they've done with so little... Quite impressive. And honestly, the same with the New Jersey energy drinks. As much as I hate them and I call them the galaxy of the East, $9.6 million to end up in the position that they did in the playoffs with hardly that much in terms of resources, that's pretty good too. But Philadelphia Union, it's impressive what they've done with so little. Yeah, no, they they really have done a great job. They've been the class of the East for the last two or three seasons. Now, especially in the way that they've been performing in the regular season this year, uh, that's that's gonna be man. That's gonna be a fun matchup. Uh, they've got FC Cincinnati in Philadelphia. That's gonna be fun. The other matchup in the East. Who would have thought that the two three matchup would have been Montreal and a Tati Castellanos less NYCFC. They won without Tyus Magno too. He wasn't even on the field. It's gonna be real interesting because they're going up to Stade Saputo in Montreal <laughs> for for that match. Better that's than being at be City fun. Field. I mean, that's for sure. Uh, it'll be obviously the other match in the East, but in the West, excuse me, we talked about it with Austin being able to get a home game against Dallas. And, and Philly, before we talk about the LAFC matchup against Carson, did, did you happen to catch Club America's last two games on your uh, Liga MX subscription package there? No, I can't say that I have. Um, but what I do know for a fact is that our guy, your guy, <laughs> the one who's, you know, you were the conductor of his bus, Brian oh. Rodriguez. He found him. Uh, he's found himself on the scoring column for Club America. So good on him. Sucks that he couldn't do that more consistently here at LAFC. But right? look, when you're a member of the black and gold, we'll keep an eye out for you. I mean, all of a sudden you and I are Fenerbahce fans. All of a right. sudden you and I are looking at Palmeiras. All of a sudden you and I are keeping up with Nashville. All of a sudden you and I are looking at even Buba Lopez uh, being the keeper for Honduras. You, you grace our uh, Joao Matinho, Orlando. You grace our roster. We're obviously going to follow you. We're going to be curious. I mean, I don't know how many of the millions and millions even know that first year player Callum Malice is a coach of Loyola of Chicago. I mean, that's hey, how closely I, we keep up with these boys. I believe I brought up Mark Segbers on the last episode. So, USL player. Yeah, you did. That was that. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> we are keeping an eye out on all of you guys out there. You and, and Joshua Perez over at Miami FC. Uh, Philly, uh, by the way, both those goals for Brian Rodriguez came in a six, one win and a five, one win over Puebla. So uh, they they didn't matter, but still good on him. And he's getting playing time, which is also pretty darn good. And and he did get the first goal in the five, one win rather than the last goal, I believe in the six, one win. So, all right, let's, uh, we've kind of danced around it a little bit. And speaking of the big dance, we've got that going on at bank of California stadium on Thursday. It's the Derby, the playoff edition number two of Classico Angelino. Philly, this is a Carson team that, like it or not, is coming in in very, very, very good form. They have lost just once in their last, what, 12 matches, I believe, in a span of over 70 days. They've lost just once. And they're playing much better because of the arrival of a couple of key players. No, without a doubt. Their last loss, September 14th against the Vancouver Whitecaps, in which they got smoked like a pack of lucky strikes, four to nothing. But you said it, Ricky Pooch has been such a good addition to this team. But not just him, Brugman, Casaras. These are all guys that have greatly contributed to the Galaxy's run of form. I'm going to go out on a while, on a limb and say they've actually had the much better run over the course of the past couple of weeks yeah. than LAFC has. Five, one, and five since Pooch showed up. And in the 10 games that he's played in, kid's got three goals, five assists. On top of that, you're talking about a team that's led by a poacher and that a Chicharito. About 44% of Chicharito's goals this season have come ever since Pooch graced that roster on the 19th of August. This is a team that's really good. We watched that game against Nashville. The one play I'm going to highlight didn't count because there was a foul. 
by Julian Araujo on Hani Mukhtar. But when you watch that counter with Pooch quarterbacking that and getting that ball to Chicharito, he's a scary player, man. I mean, he certainly is the difference maker for that team. The midfield for the Galaxy is so much better now with the addition of him and Brugman. Completely different team than what we saw the last time we faced them when we beat them 3-2. to two. Yeah, look, he has definitely done everything that you would want a player to do. I mean, what, he had three assists against Colorado in the one game alone in their 4-1 victory. He's, he's become that, that engine that drives the offense quite a bit. And I think for me, that's the scariest part is that they've got a kid who, and I say kid because he was 22 when he came over 23 now with Carson. Uh, Cause you know, it ages you being down there in Carson pretty quickly. Well, but, it's cause uh, it smells and it's by a lot of, you know, like power plants and, <laughs> you know, obviously that there's this cancerous airs and I, we're just I, kidding. Obviously that's stupid banter, but it's fine. I, uh, I, I, I have smells to there, say though. though. It it does. Um, I I do have to say, seeing them have that that player in the middle, and, and let's be real, he and Gaston Brugman, you mentioned Brugman in the midfield, have really reshaped that entire team going forward. Uh, the back line to me is still not that impressive, but we will talk about that back line in a little bit. But what you have in Ricky Pooch is somebody who would never, never have been in Major League Soccer maybe even five years ago. You have a kid who is 23, but had a little bit of a reputation, right? He was a little bit of a reputation as a partier, maybe not the hardest worker. He, he grew well, up- Well, he certainly in, picked the most conservative city to move to, Scar. Right. Um, but I think, uh, I have a thought on that actually in just a minute, but he grew up in La Masia, right? Let's, let's talk about what that means first and foremost, to grow up in the Barcelona system. The, the players that come out of the Barcelona system, the type of style that comes out of the Barcelona system, you are talking about probably the most venerated and decorated academy in the entire world. If you come through La Masia, ask Ilya Sanchez about it, shoot. If you come through that academy, that means something. That is a feather in your cap. That is a nod to the talent that they believe you must possess. And for him to want to leave that, because that was for the most part, since he was like 16, even earlier than that, actually, I think that was the only system, the only club that he had ever known. And they had given him a shot. He had 57 caps with Barca and another 60 plus up the ladder in that academy. He started capping for the senior team in Barcelona, only 19 years old, but clearly they, they reached a little bit of an impasse. There was something that goes on for you to want to leave that at 22 and to come over to near Los Angeles and want to play for Carson. <laughs> it it says something about, I believe what he has found out is he he's kind of rekindled his desire to be a star. And I think what that's helping him do is to take things much more seriously game in and game out with Carson than he did towards the end of his, what I believe will be his first run or, or at least one of his runs through La Liga. No, I, I would agree. I mean, he had a, a historic rise and now being in major league soccer. And as much as I love this league, you don't go to from Barca to, to MLS and, and be viewed as anything other than a diminishing asset. There, sure. There's just no way now for him right now, to me personally, I, I view it as such. This is kind of a last straw for him. The party boy ways need to cease to exist. And all eyes, especially from that part of the world, are key, are looking at him. I'm, I guarantee you, between his agent, everybody at Barcelona, everybody is looking at how this kid is going to adapt, whether or not he's going to mature and become the player that most people anticipated him to be. If he couldn't cut it in Los Angeles and he would find his partying ways, ruining his career, that would have been the end of him. That would have been the end of him. But in the 10 games that he's played, he's been very, very impressive. So don't be surprised if this is a kid who finds his way back to one of the bigger leagues in the world. He's a very talented player. 
But obviously, like you said, coming from La Masia, like this is an academy that's that's fielded the likes of Messi, uh, Iniesta. Uh, I mean, even like going like to coaching legends like Pep Guardiola. There's so sure. much talent that has come out of La Masia, including Ilya Sanchez, FYI. It's insane. So this isn't a player that we need to take lightly. I know in the Galaxy sign of people who go, oh, this sucks. Morons. This is the best thing that happened in your season, and now you're acknowledging it. So he's not going to be a formidable opponent. And when we get into like our breakdown, I mean, I think the game is really going to be won or lost in the midfield for both sides. No, I think you're absolutely right. It'll be, I think the midfield is, is going to be the deciding factor. It's important to remember over the last 10 matches, Ricky Pooch has played 890 out of a possible 900 minutes. That's, that means he hasn't played 10, 10 minutes in the last 10 matches. And that's only two games. He played 84 minutes in one and 86. Yeah, another. he subbed in in so, his first game against Seattle on the 19th of August. Right, right, right. So so his last 10 matches, he's playing pretty much every minute for them. Part of that is because they need him to. He is the the straw that stirs the drink, as we like to say, over in Metropolitan's land. Uh, but in the 10 matches before he came over, Carson lost six of them. Yeah. They lost six of those previous 10 matches. They are a very, very different team. And I'll say this. I believe in just a short amount of time that Ricky Pooch has become one of the 10 or 15 best players in MLS, maybe even higher in the way that he has been able to transform this team. Now, we've got a couple of guys who have been transformative and come over late for our club as well. We'll talk more about that in a second. But you mentioned another guy, Philly, that I think is extremely important in the midfield for them, obviously, because he is getting the brunt of the minutes playing right alongside Ricky Pooch. And I think it's been a huge thing to have the talent level elevated around Ricky Pooch. Not that Sebastian Legette, of course, everyone does love Dubois, but uh, I don't think he is the type of player anymore that Gaston Brugman has become, who essentially is replacing uh, Sebastian Legette out there. The 29-year-old defensive mid. Look, one of the things that's important to remember, Philly, one thing that worked for LAFC very, very, very well is to tap that Uruguayan pipeline of talent. Now, they didn't do it with guys like Brian Rodriguez and Diego Rossi, the super young teenage kids who, who came over for us. What they've done, of course, is to do it with experienced veteran players, the first of which Gaston Brugman, 29-year-old defensive mid. But this guy brought over from Parma, and I say this all the time, if I were to have a club over in uh, the Italian Serie A, then, then it would have to be Parma, mainly because I just enjoy their cheese. Uh, <laughs> he has played 15 MLS matches, including their playoff win over Nashville, and he has started all 15. He's gone only less than 70 minutes in two of those matches. He's played a ton, but I think what's scariest, Philly, is their last four matches with Gaston Brugman and Ricky Pooch now now getting that synthesis, right? That symbiosis that's supposed to happen with the midfield. He's got three goals and an assist in his last four matches, and they are looking more and more deadly out of the midfield. It hasn't just been a run or two from Chicharito. It hasn't just been a, a lucky strike from Dejan Jovalich from outside the box like he has been prone to do. It's been Gaston Brugman finding those spaces because of guys like Pooch, because of the runs that Chicharito makes. Three goals and an assist in their last four. And this is the kid, Philly. I say kid, he's 29 years old. This is a player who, again, has helped reshape that midfield. You mentioned it. The most important line, I think, between these two clubs is they play each other on Thursday. No, I, I would agree. And obviously, if you look at the statistics, and it's not fair because the body of work hasn't been there as compared to our midfield, but their passing accuracy collectively right now is far better than that at the LAFC's. But then again, you also have a couple of players that came into the Galaxy's midfield later on. But the one player that you didn't mention who also has a lot of experience and success in this league is that of Marky Delgado, obviously yep. being that of a former Toronto FC, having won the uh, the domestic treble with his head coach right now, Greg Vanny. That's another guy to watch out for. But overall, I still think we have the better midfield. In particular, the better of the depth. But I think Pooch is still the best midfielder between the two teams. Now, we've touted, touted the, um, well, we've lovingly called them the uh, the Carson fallacy. But obviously, 
we have a bunch of players on our team that came in after that 3-2 win that we had against the Galaxy earlier on this season. Obviously, that of Chiellini. Obviously, that of Bale. Danny Buanga, Christian Teo. We're a completely different team, too, Scarf. And so while we've talked a lot about the Galaxy, we need to talk about our boys and how much better our team is on paper than the team we're going to face on Thursday. Can I, can, I, can I zig, though, real quick and bring up one more player from Carson, and then we'll stop? Okay? Uh, do we really have to talk about any I, of these? All right, all right I, fine. I go. do because I have a parallel to make. The Serpiente? I think, I, I think, yeah, I think Carson saw us do something by bringing in Giorgio Chiellini, by bringing in uh, yes, our backline maestro. And I think they thought, well, you know what? LAFC, they've been doing a lot of things right up there, up the road. I mean, they've got more wins than us, more points than us, more goals than us since we've come, since they've come into the league than we do. Maybe we should try and copy what they do. Let's bring in a grizzled physical veteran to play center back for us. And hopefully that'll work out and it'll start to change things. Of course, we're talking about Martin Caceres or is it Caceres or Caceres? Caceres. I don't know. 35, 35 year old center back, but Philly do not let his age fool you. He is one of the most capped players in Uruguay's history. 115 caps. By the way, I've said this on a couple of other episodes in my life. Everybody, you guys can think I'm crazy or not, but I have one number that appears in my life. Ever since I was little, literally born, I was I lived in apartment 115 growing up in Torrance in the apartment complex we lived in. That number 115 follows me around everywhere, all the little things. And maybe it's just because I noticed that number more than anything else. I kind of laughed a little bit when I saw how many caps that uh, Caceres has had for Uruguay. 115 caps, sixth all-time. God, I went off on a little bit of a tangent there. He has more caps for Uruguay, then Diego Forlan, one of the most loved players in Uruguayan history. He has played everywhere, Philly. Juve, Fiorentina, Sevilla, Barcelona. Once again, we're bringing up Barcelona. Southampton. (laughs) Yeah, so he had one game for Southampton in the Prem. He's played in the Champions League. He's played in the Europa League. He's played in all, all sorts of cup matches. He won Copa America in 2011 with Uruguay. He won Champions League with Barca in 2009 And he started five of the last six matches for Carson, played a full 90 in all five of those matches that he has played. And they've only lost the one match. They've found something on their most vulnerable line, that back line, which we, we often joke. I know you've said it several times. They've got more holes than Swiss cheese. But with Jonathan Bond doing just enough for them in goal to keep them in games, although I don't think he's playing as well as he did last season. And now with Caceres back there teaming with, whether it's Sega Koulibaly or Derek Williams there at center back, they're, they're starting to figure things out up the middle, though, again, I, I'm not convinced on their defense. But all right, enough about Carson. Let's get into the guys that we obviously have brought in at the fans, that the supporters at the club has grown to know and love over these last couple of months. We uh, mentioned it earlier. Obviously, it was nuts absolutely nuts and granted it hasn't paid off but i have a very very crazy feeling that it will bringing in gareth bale for the amount of money that we did that was i mean that was earth shattering this news was everywhere hell we even talked about it with with pundits from bbc radio that's how crazy it's been we're talking obviously about gareth bale then that led to a uh, trajectory of several other players and a keep a complete rehaul in some ways of our lineup. We bring in Giorgio Chiellini, one of the best defenders that this sport has ever seen. Then we bring in the captain of Gabon, Danny Buanga. And then we bring in a guy who's just coming off a Copa del Rey season with Real Betis, also another player that is featured within Spain, also another player that is, has come through Barcelona, also another player that has seen a lot of things and that of Christian Teo. I mean, these are guys who we have yet to really see make the same kind of impact on our team that Brugman, Caceres, and Pooch have made. But that just goes to show you how talented we are. We have Chicho Arango, who's making less than $700,000 a year, doing business. Landon Donovan, MLS finalist. That's the kind of team we have. Carlos Vela taking a pay cut, still taking care of business. Uh, Mahala. A diamond in the rough. What an unbelievable find he was. Take a care of business. The talent that we signed and brought in has yet to really pay off the dividends. 
But now's a better time than any, so I really firmly believe that these guys are going to take care of business. Out of the four, obviously, Chiellini's the one who I would say has had the most consistent, bigger impact. But then you got to go no farther than the Portland Timber game, which Denny Buanga scored one of the most important goals of the season. That was tremendous. But we still have yet to see the greatness that is Gareth Bale, and we have yet to see really what Christian Teo brings to the table. Look, I cannot wait to see. You mentioned a couple of things. Number one, let's let's back up. Giorgio Chiellini, my opinion here, best center back in Major League Soccer right now. The best center back in Major League Soccer. All due respect to our boy Walker, the two-time reigning defensive player of the year in Major League Soccer, who will not win it a third time because he's not nominated. Uh, and I think that there are, are plenty of other good candidates to be best center back. But I think what we have seen from Giorgio Chiellini, there's just a little bit of a different feel out there when you know Chiellini is on the back line, whether he's paired with Steady Eddie, whether he's paired with Murillo, even his time, a very little bit of time with Sebastian Ibiaga. I think he just, he has that quality where he makes everybody around him better. He is the coach on the pitch from that back line. He has made Maxime Cropot better. He's talked about it. He's made our midfield better. Kellen Acosta has talked about it a whole bunch. Elias Sanchez has talked about it a whole bunch. Hell, he has made, if you look, Carlos Vela playing into the box to help out defensively. Denny Bawanga playing into the box to help out defensively more, I think, since Chiellini has come over since they did or than they did before. I think that what we're seeing is a full transformation with Giorgio Chiellini. And I think you highlighted it just now talking about it. What we have started to see from Denny Bawanga is transformational for our offense. We know that we have a straight dog in the middle when it comes to goals with Chicho Arango. We know we have the left foot of God itself on the end of Carlos Vela's left leg. But now we have this three-headed monster. We have this, this triumvirate of players up front in our front three with Denny Bawanga. And all due respect to Gareth Bale, Christian Teo, and Mahala for what they brought to us this season, you and I both, I know, are 100% in agreement that the top three, that the, the players that should be playing up top in our front three are Bawanga, Chicho Arango, and Carlos Vela. And I think, personally, that that's where we are going to see our biggest strides forward in these playoffs because I think we've got consistent play, not the best play recently from our midfield, but consistent play from our midfield. We've got incredible play from our center backs. We've got sustained effort and now sustained ability to stay on the pitch with Hollingshead and Cheeky Palacios back there on the center backs. Obviously, we know we have from Max, but it's Denny Bawanga in the addition of that front three there that I think is going to be the biggest thing for LAFC. No, I would agree. And I would also say our depth, too. Because, I mean, you mentioned the top three. Uh, yes, I believe that it should be Chicho, it should be Vela, and it should be Boanga up top. Our midfield, I'm confident in starting Ilya Sanchez, Jose Cifuentes, Kellen Acosta. Going to our back line, big fan of Hollingshead, big fan of Chala, uh, Chala, uh, Chiki Palacios on the outside. And it, to me, it's it's Murray Lini as far as our center backs are concerned. Yeah. <laughs> but But if you look at our bench... If any of those players that I just mentioned aren't playing up to their value and the way they need to play, we got Mahala yeah. coming in off the bench, Gareth Bale coming off the bench, Christian Teo coming off the bench. We've got Latif Blessing filling in the midfield. We got we got Franco Escobar coming in. We got Eddie Segura. We have so much more depth than the Galaxy does. I mean, the Galaxy in their midfield, if they sub somebody out, more than likely it'd be somebody like a Marky Delgado, and they'll bring in somebody like Williams. Uh, up top, if it's not Grand Sear, it'll probably be Cabral, and Cabral is an absolute waste of talent, absolute POS as far as I'm concerned. We can make so, the edit, You can make so many excuses for the kid, but he's just plain bad. He doesn't play with confidence, and he doesn't have enough mustard behind his shot. So ultimately, on paper, still think we have the best team. Ultimately, I think our players that are coming in off of the bench could start for any other team other than LAFC. I think we have so much firepower. We're so potent. We just have to play the kind of game that we know our boys can play. It's a question of what LAFC team is going to grace Bank of California Stadium because we've seen some really good stuff, but we haven't seen this 
rendition with all these new players really play up to the pure potential that they have. But that's what's going to make Thursday exciting is this uncertainty. More importantly is the fact that we're playing at Bank of California Stadium, a place that has been a fortress for us, and we literally have been the best team at home, surpassing that of NYCFC, although they've had, what, four homes between Yankee Stadium, (laughs) City Field, uh, Bank of California Stadium was a home for them as well at one point. And then obviously a, a Rensselaer Field, which is out uh, where the University of Connecticut's football team plays in, in, in mid-Connecticut. So we've been the, one of the best teams at home. We've got everything going for ourselves. But obviously, you, did, it's did the Galaxy forget, and you never know. Did you forget Harrison, New Jersey for your boys too? I, I didn't want to mention those guys. All right, so five homes they if you break it down. Homes. Yeah, look uh, – I think if you go position by position, right, LAFC checks a lot of the boxes in terms of advantages. I think LAFC checks a lot of the boxes in terms of talent. The box that we worry about, being completely honest, when it comes to LAFC, has nothing to do with the skill level of its players. The box that we worry about is what we saw in the U.S. Open Cup. The box that we worry about is what we've seen time and time again with LAFC in this Derby matchup, and that's Will we come to play from minute one in terms of how physical we will be? And when the game gets dirty, not if, but when, when the game gets dirty, when it gets muddy, when it gets gritty, when you have to dig deep for something further, because what guys like, for instance, Raheem Edwards and Julian Araujo love to do, what guys like you mentioned, Derek Williams is a big problem for us, what he likes to do how Chicharito can make you feel making those runs, having to press on the midfield like Ricky Pooch and Gaston Brugman. And now let's talk about it for real. You have a healthy and playing well, Douglas Costa. What these guys are able to do, how they're able to make you feel uncomfortable as we saw them do time and time again against Nashville. And by the way, that was a styles make fights kind of a thing too. Nashville played right into galaxy's hands by playing that that wait and see wait and see everybody drop back everybody bunker and then we'll counter that was an awful awful tactical decision to not get the golden boot winner in major league soccer involved much much more than they actually did where will lafc be when it comes to the headspace right we talked about a lot with brian rodriguez he's got million dollar talent but a 10 cent head i think sometimes with lafc we get into these matchups And we get out over our skis a little bit. We start trying to do a little bit too much. We get a little bit out of position. And there are players on that other side wearing the Herbalife sash that are far talented than we have seen over the course of this rivalry. It's not just Chicharito having to manufacture something. It's not just Zlatan having to manufacture something. This is now a club that is pretty solid on all three lines with the additions of Caceres and Pooch and Brugman and, and, and obviously all the guys that we have talked about up front. Dayon Jovalich. We didn't even talk about Dayon Jovalich, the, the best weapon coming off of the bench that the Galaxy have maybe ever had. This is a club, Philly. The, all I worry about, all I worry about, because we are at the Cathedral of Black and Gold where we tend to play much, much, much better against Carson. All I worry about is what will happen when that game breaks down, when it gets physical, when it gets gritty. And that's why I think we have guys in this lineup like Giorgio Chiellini to help settle us down. I would agree. What gets me nervous is something that we've had to contend with. And not just us, several teams within Major League Soccer. And obviously, I'm going to say that in the form of the pro officials, the pretty rancid officiating group of people. That's something that kind of worries me. Now, I've said from time and time again, you got to play your best and not leave it in the hands of the officials. But the officials, quite frankly, have been the determining factor for a lot of games within Major League Soccer. And I will say Chicharito has certainly taken advantage of his time being in Los Angeles, taking acting classes. Because i got to say, I don't ever remember him pissing me off off as much as he had when he was playing for the likes of a Leverkusen, a West Ham, obviously that of a Manchester United or playing for El Tree. I feel like anytime that that guy get has the slightest bit of contact, it's 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 a Greek tragedy. It's he's running all over the place, falling down on the ground, crying as if he got shot by somebody in the rafters. That's what pisses me off. So it's not so much that we would get a call in the box that would go against us, because obviously we have that of a VAR, but that kind of display of of 
I can't, we're, we're family friendly, so I'm not going to use the words that I want to use, but like, it's stuff like that that could get under the skin of our players. And that's what I'm worried about in terms of like the 10 cent head comment, us losing our cool by them playing rough and it just lighting up our boys to the point to where they just, it becomes more of a mental game than, than, than anything else. That's probably what concerns me. However, if LAFC can go up early and continue to pound on the Galaxy as we know they can, then I, I then that would give me and the players obviously a, a great level of confidence because if we give this if we let them in the game it's going to be a dogfight if we could go out there and just get a couple of goals early and shut down their momentum I think we're going to be in a much better place and they could play all the head games they want because it's not going to matter but they're going to come out and they're going to play dirty they're going to try to get under our skin and into our heads that's what they do Chicharito is a master of doing this on top of being a poacher in terms of goal scoring that's sort of what concerns me though is the efficiency and how they can, like you said, rattle our boys with dirty play and obviously pansy ship, or if that's even a term, like stuff like that, that, that Chicha <laughs> does when he has a little bit of contact and he falls on the ground like, uh, well, I can't say it, family-friendly podcast. Yeah, it, it's hard, right? Because he makes those unorthodox runs over and over and over again. And to stay disciplined for a player like Cheeky Palacios, right, who's a little bit younger, and he's very confident when he's able to move up on the ball, when he's able to play up the wing. He has to come back, and, and they've got to make sure they're talking. They've got to make sure that everybody knows their assignments there on the back line. Again, with Chiellini, I do feel much, much better about it, and especially with Maxime Cropot and the way that he has played recently. Uh, I agree. It's going to be the little things that decide this. Philly, I want to ask one question of you before we, I think we're getting close to wrapping this up. I mean, we, we should. This uh, has gone beyond the half hour that we had originally anticipated. <laughs> quite a bit beyond the half hour, I believe. Uh, if you could give me your X factor in this match, whether, and, and look, it's got to be a player from LAFC. I don't want to hear pro refereeing because I get it. They can be the X factor in every damn game that's ever happened in Major League Soccer. But who is the player? Obviously, this is a a club that is built with several stars, right, leading the way. But is there a player who is going to be the X factor, or is it going to be the Carlos Vela show, the Danny Bowanga show, the maybe it's Chiellini, you know, one of those big stars that we talk about? Who's your X factor in this match? I said it on 110 earlier, and I fir- I firmly believe that the game is going to be won or lost in the midfield. But if we're going to talk about an X factor, somebody who's going to step up to the plate and do something very big for us, if we're going to go on top of the Galaxy early and score early, the player that I'm looking forward to seeing, the player that I think is going to excel above all else, has got to be that Achicho Arango, our leading scorer and a Landon Donovan MVP finalist. He is certainly the person that I am looking for in the initial frames of the game, especially uh, over the first 45 minutes. But if the game is close, Scarf, If the game is close, I am going to look towards our bench and it's going to be one of two players that are going to be the difference maker for us. And they are going to propel us to a W on Thursday. I am looking at Gareth Bale. I still think that he's got a lot to offer us, but if it's not him, a player that I'm certain we're going to see unsung hero, wild card player that you can't not keep your eyes on Opoku Mahala himself. I like it. I like it. I'm going to go with a player who has fallen off as of late. A player who has played a little bit disappointingly over the last 10 matches of our season. Well, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. A player who has not tallied a goal or an assist, neither of those, in the last 10 matches of the season. And that would be Jose Cifuentes. The midfield. I like it. Jose Cifuentes, because I absolutely agree with you that I think the midfield is going to be the key in this match. Jose Cifuentes has not played well in the last 10 games. And I, I don't know what it is. I can't account for it. But here's what I do know, Philly. In the last 10 games, LAFC lost five, drew one, and only won four. And in those 10 games, Jose Cifuentes, no goals, no assists. But he started, he started what, seven of those games. In the six games prior to that run of 10, Philly, LAFC won all six games. He had four goals, 
two assists and played the full 90 in three and 83 minutes in a fourth where he had a brace in just 83 minutes. We need, we need Jose Cifuentes to go back to the offensive juggernaut that he was to do nothing but keep everybody accountable on that galaxy defense. Because when he has the ball and he's 18 to 25 yards from goal, he is as deadly as any player that we have. We've seen it over and over again, a laser show from Sifu coming out of nowhere. But we haven't seen it in the last 10 matches, Philly. And I think we need something special from Jose Cifuentes in this match, whether it's a goal or one of those beautiful through balls that he tends to give on an occasion, especially looking at two assists in the beginning of the year, uh, connecting with Carlos Vela. It's just one of those things where I think we need a little bit of something from Jose Cifuentes. No, I agree. And last season, he was great up until like the halfway point. Then he sort of fell off. This season, he made it a little over the halfway mark. We'll say 60, 70% of the season, he was pretty solid. So I would agree with you that we have to look at him. If there's anybody that's going to be a physical presence within the midfield, it's it's going to be him because as much as I love Ilya, as much as I love Kellen, Sifu's the bigger, stronger guy within the midfield. So that's the player that I'm going to look forward to. Uh, seeing so I, I i agree with you there but it's going to be a dogfight you know one, one way or another and the galaxy literally had have nothing to lose in yeah. fact halfway throughout the season they would have never anticipated that they would have been here they shouldn't be here they even did something at the end of the season they don't have any success in doing and that's winning <laughs> on the road against houston they did they did so they have been playing better better team run a form as of late but to me this is an important match, duh. I mean, I'm painting the obvious, but it really is MLS Cup or bust. You don't want to like look forward too much. The Galaxy is the most important game that we have to play, but this team needs to bring it. And I think by them having a couple of days, a couple extra days off, not playing in the first round, that does give us an advantage. It does give us the ability to see more tape on players such as a Ricky Pooch. I think that gives us, I mean, obviously playing in the friendly confines of Bank of California Stadium is also going to be it, but it's going to be a dogfight, man, one way or another. And hopefully, like I said earlier, we're either going to be on cloud nine when the final whistle blows, or we're going to be in the seventh or eighth or even 10th level of Dante's Inferno. Hell, for lack of a better term. So it's, uh, get ready, folks. Get yep. sleep. Hydrate yourselves. Thursday is going to be slobber knockers. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. We've talked about it over and over again, right? MLS Cup or bus. And, and I think that anything else the, is a failure. It, it, yeah. it is. Without a doubt, it is. And obviously, to me, and I know you'll probably agree with this, the, the worst possible outcome of this season would be to be bounced by Carson. And that's why I think while Carson has nothing to lose, because obviously none of the pressure is on them, we need LAFC to go out there and play as pressure-free and as free with the ball and off the ball as possible because that's the best LAFC. I, I think that uh, you know if if something goes awry and we get down early, we need to be able to respond. If something goes awry and we have a bad call from pro and now you know someone's got an early yellow, maybe it's one of those eighth, tenth, fifteenth minute kind of yellow cards where you're like, oh crap, now that's. That's a player that we needed for a full 90, and now we, they have to play very, very carefully. I think we need to play composed. But at the same time, if something goes the other way, if we get an early goal, if we get an early yellow on Carson on a player who maybe it's a, it's a Gaston Brugman who does have several yellows in his limited time coming over, from, uh, uh, coming over to Carson, we need, as you like to say, Philly, strike hard, strike fast, no mercy. We need to step on their throats. We need to go for the jugular and we need to be able to put this team away early and often so that it becomes a celebration at the bank, the likes of which we have experienced once before, thanks to Adama Diamande and the heroics of that 5-3 club that you have the picture somewhere in the background. I, I can't see it because your head's in the way, but I think it's right behind you over your right shoulder. Yep, there it is. I see it. Uh, for those of you that are just listening on our podcast, you're like, what the hell are they talking about? Trust me, it's there. I promise. Uh, but that being said, Philly, all the nerves are there. Hopefully we've given you guys out there from Defenders Nation the millions. And millions. Something to listen to on your way to the match or on your way somewhere this week. This is a little bit of a preview pod. We normally don't do preview pods, but you know what? This match 
it is so big. The gravitas is there. We're all nervous. We're all doing this together. Defenders Nation, Black and Gold Nation, uh, the Cathedral of Black and Gold is going to be filled with 22,000 voices all screaming, shouting, chanting in unison. I can't wait to see what the 3252 has planned for the match. I've heard really cool things. Can't wait. And Philly, I think with that, we should maybe bid adieu to episode 220. Episode 221 better be a party. I agree. I just have a couple of last things I want to say. Yes, sir. Obviously, you know, the uh, they, they constantly remind us down there about how they're the first to five and how this season could be the race to six. Oh. Say this. Folks, and, and I also want to give a shout out real quick. I, I came across a comment on, on our iTunes from a Galaxy fan who gave us four stars. And the comment goes, even though I'm a Galaxy <laughs> fan, the show is entertaining. It's always interesting to see a rival's perspective. My man, appreciate you. I get the why you gave us the four out of five because, well, we are your rival. But I appreciate you chiming in. But I will say this. The race to Sace will only end up in a massive disgrace. And if you watch the Galaxy games over the course of this season, which I have, you like to keep an eye on your rival. Their main broadcaster at 20-plus years, and I said this on 110 earlier today, Joe Tatino touting those season tickets for L.A. by L.A. No, 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 Joe. You done messed it up. It's on Thursday. It's near L.A., which is where you're from, and you're going to be beaten by L.A., which is us. So that's sort of how I want to end this. LAFC is going to get it. We're going to do it. I am confident. Nervous as hell, but I'm confident. I'm with you, brother. And with that, you guys know how we like to end every single one of our episodes. We will see you at the bank on Thursday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.